Coming up on today's show, we review a streaming gem that is genuinely a nice shiny gem. We review the long-anticipated Deadpool 2, and we also chew the fat about everything that is not the Royal Wedding, and a tiny bit of the Royal Wedding. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about TV, film and general pop culture. My name is Adam Flynn. I just want to take a moment to thank all the listeners for making our last podcast, the Avengers Infinity War Spoiler Special, our most downloaded podcast within a week. Thank you so much for for getting involved and everyone that's been tweeting it, etc. But as usual, when we do our specials, we revert back to our regular programming and it it knocks us up our game. It takes us to a new level. So speaking of new levels, back with me is my man it's john descamento how you doing buddy i'm good i'm pretty intimidated because you know obviously i wasn't on the the most successful talk filmy to me podcast ever um that was your your good friend who did a sterling job so i've got to uh, up my game right now haven't i really you know come up with some really amazing things to say so this one's going to be a long one. Your entire career pens on, on this moment, John. Now, of course, we missed you, buddy, but we know that this isn't your... Uh, the Marvel films aren't exactly your forte, but we'll be doing some specials where we'll get Tom involved again. I'm sure, John, we've got some ideas we can plan about for the future. Anyway, speaking of looking forward to the future, are you a royalist? Did you enjoy the royal wedding this weekend? I went to a real wedding. Um, not that theirs wasn't real, but, you know... <laughs> If you don't, if you don't know them, which I, I don't know any of the royals, don't know about you, but uh, so I went to a wedding of friends who I do know, and it was a very nice time, um, and there was dancing and drinking, and it was in a barn, and there was you know all sorts of nonsense going on. So uh, I, I was kind of, I'm not a royalist, so I was happy to miss out on the royal wedding. To be honest, it, it gets, it does my head in. To be honest, how do you feel? Uh, well, spoiler alert, she said yes, but um, it was just kind of, I'm not really into this sort of stuff. I love anything that gets the country not hating themselves, so that's always a nice thing. But um, I started watching the coverage, but um, you know when like TV's clearly got five hours of coverage to do and they've just got to find filler? So they've, they've got a camera, they're tracking every celebrity, and in the UK, I don't know if that's just a sign of our betting culture, but... There's lots of bets taken on who's invited, what sort of clothes they're going to wear and what guests they're going to bring and and things like that. And uh, they were saying, ah, looks like the bookie's going to pay out on George Clooney attending this wedding. And it's just like, seriously, like it's, it's, this is this is what entertainment has come to. And as soon as I saw James Corden was invited, I was like, oh, I'm going to go do some DIY or something. Uh, not, not that I hate him, but you know what? I love to see Brits do well, but not too well. He's kind of everywhere at the moment. So uh, yeah, if uh, if you've had enough of a bit too much James Corden, then apologies for that. No, this, well, this is bad for you because he's coming home, right? He's been in America for a few years and he's he's coming home. He's sick of America. Oh, really? Really? So, is, that, is he still going to do his late, late show in the States or is that on hiatus at the moment? I thought he was coming home because he was all lonely, but I, I don't know. I'm not up on celebrity culture as much as I uh, should be. It's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well, sarcasm you know, there. You know what we should be up to date on, John? Should we crack on with film news? 
that's something we should be up to date on yes news cool so we reviewed it way back uh star wars the last jedi and talking about our hopes and dreams for the future with the franchise and the next one in the canon was going to be this um star wars uh solo movie which comes out next week which we'll have a a review for but we don't know what necessarily is lined up for the the rest of the Star Wars universe. There's been loads of announcements, but we kind of don't know what this next anthology film is going to be. Now, there's been lots of reports, and it's basically all but confirms that the next canon anthology movie is going to be an Obi-Wan movie. Um, it's not going to be an origin film. It's going to be set between episode four and... Uh, sorry, three and four, as the other two anthology films have been, and Ewan McGregor is going to reprise the role. Um, this is not official yet. This is based on lots of speculation reports in uh, the Hollywood Reporter, Den of Geek, basically lots of people saying that very high important people have been meeting at Disney with Lucasfilm and um, yeah, this looks like this actually might happen. I mean, I'm a bit of a prequel apologist. Uh, I'm probably more of an apologist for those Star Wars films to the royal family, but um, I... I actually kind of like some of those films, especially Ewan McGregor. He was the, the saving grace in those films. Are you, are you a Ewan man? Do you love him, John? Yeah, I, he's one of them actors that I can't think of a, a bad role or bad choice he's made. His uh, role in Fargo series three, where he plays both twin brothers, was he was absolutely made the series. He was amazing. So big Ewan fan, and of course Natalie Portman doesn't do a bad job in any movie, and she she was great in the prequels as well, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it was like one of her first roles, but yeah, she was still she was still she had a really shit script. Like I don't think she was. I don't think she was the reason those performances were bad. She worked with what she's got. I think Hayden Christensen was quite bad, and that diet, that scene in Attack of the Clones where they're talking about sand. Fuck me, that was terrible. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm really excited. The idea about an Obi Wan film. I love the idea of it being just Ian McGregor, and it's just going to be like kind of like a Logan esque story about Obi Wan on this planet on his own and how he he kind of oversees Luke Skywalker's I don't know development and looking after so that's kind of cool but like I say it's kind of all speculation at the moment more speculation about about Star Wars is that test screenings have uh, been really favorable for the new solo movie and the the trailers are looking really really good um, but Lando Carizian uh, played by by Donald Glover has absolutely smashed it out of the park to the point where we reported last or a couple of weeks ago that um, they're going to be doing some spin-off films uh focusing on the Lando uh, storyline. Now, an interesting thing that's come out, which I don't really I don't really know why this has come out, but basically they've asked about Lando's sexuality um, in the film and uh, Ron Howard and the writers have come out and said that Lando Carizium is pansexual. Uh, what Does it really matter what his sexuality is? Unless it's like a key part of the story, which I don't think it is. It's not, it's not solo, colon, we find out what Lando prefers. You know, it's, what, why talk about this sort of stuff? And does it matter in Star Wars? I guess it doesn't matter. I guess they're trying to bring it into the 20, modern 21st century where like Janelle Moore is just, is it who, Janelle, I can't remember how you pronounce her name, singer who just announced she's pansexual. And then every, you know, obviously people like me, like what the heck is that and then you look at it and then you learn something so maybe it's uh, a good thing um but yeah i think it also rubs up a lot of people up the wrong way <laughs> so it's quite divisive for a mainstream franchise but maybe it's yeah. doing some good work 
No, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Awareness is, is fantastic and education is always the, the right way to go with this sort of stuff. But it's got to have a purpose, right? So um, the reason why I brought this up as kind of a story point is that I think in Star Wars, unless it's like a key part of the story you're trying to tell, there's kind of like what's it kind of does it disservice if you can't add real human story behind that sort of thing right so with the new trailer for uh, the queen biopic bohemian rhapsody that dropped this week as well and first and foremost uh, the guy playing uh freddy um i can't remember his name it's something um hamish or something like that anyway so the guy from mr robot and he a he looks the part absolutely fantastic i don't think that's him singing in the trailer unfortunately i think they've just taken a live edit from um live eight but um in this film it looks like and it's been accused of they're straight washing like they don't mention much about his his sexuality at all in fact they kind of give the impression he's straight in this film and Apparently, in the, the storyline of the film, the chronological order it's going to follow is kind of early days of Queen, right up until um, Live Aid, and it stops there. So it doesn't deal with his diagnosis of HIV, it doesn't deal with him coming out to the world. And it's kind of like, a, um, we talked about this at length actually in previous podcasts, about there's a really interesting story here, like a human story about struggle and acceptance. And it sounds like they've dropped that in favour of just making it a, a rock ballad film, which is nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, the, the trailer sounds fantastic when you hear a mashup of some of... You, you forget how good Queen are until someone actually shows you their back catalogue or you see that montage of all the hits they've produced. It is stellar. I mean, you are really going to enjoy the soundtrack of this film. But there's another story there to be told, and I feel like they've played it too safe. And the accusations have a backlash of that. So I suppose the the point i'm trying to make is that star wars didn't really need to talk about sexuality didn't really need to talk about what lando gets up to or doesn't get up to well absolutely i think you do need to with the queen story and they've completely bottled it Mm. yeah it's interesting isn't it star wars is kind of the last movie that really needs to deal with that but um and the queen's probably the first one so uh, I'm a sh- yes, it's a shame, but we will have to re- withhold judgment until we see that uh, music biopic because I do love a music biopic, as you know. Um, but who knows? Will it live up to Walk the Line or my favourite Love and Mercy? Ah, uh, my favourite's probably. I mean, I used to think. Uh, well, I used. To, I still hold it in very high regard. But the the Ray Charles biopic is very good. But I'm a massive fan of Get On Up, the um, Chadwick Boseman. Um, film about james brown have you seen that one i haven't seen that one no i should highly recommend it highly recommend it but um but yeah don't worry the trailer is is good it got me pumped it really makes me want to see the film and i really am curious to hear if if they actually get the cast to perform in this or if they're just using edits i mean this film has been in production for a very very long time and um in light of these things that have come out from the trailer, it has also been discovered that the reason why Sasha Baron Cohen uh, left the project and the reason why he left the project was he actually really wanted to do a warts and all story about Freddie Mercury, not necessarily just about Queen. And um, that's what the big fallout was about. It was because he really wanted to, to do a Freddie Mercury biopic, not necessarily focus about queen or the music as much and as we know uh, sasha baron Cohen is not afraid to go there in terms of uh, sexual politics or just uh, or unearthing truths and mm. uh, i kind of want to see that film now 
Yeah, I'm kind of falling on the side of him, and I, I'm guessing he butted heads with the members of Queen, right? Brian May and Roger... Um, what's his name? Roger. <laughs> the drummer. Yeah, they, yeah they, that's, uh, that's pretty much where the fallout come from. So it's interesting. They obviously want to keep it about the music because it pays more homage to their legacy, maybe. And yeah, it, f- it feels like maybe there was a compromise to be made that probably hasn't been made. And it's building itself up to maybe played a bit safe. But we'll see. That and there's been loads of directors that walk out on the project. Always a good sign. <laughs> but um, another bad sign is that it's been the Cannes Film Festival um, over the last week. Now, I'm not going to go into the, the political side of things. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, there was a screening of a film that involved quite a bit of gun violence, uh, starring Matt Damien. And I think it's called In the Hunt or something like that. Anyway, a lot of people walked out of it in political protest of gun violence, um, which is, by the way, that's, that's a real good sign of solidarity but why don't you actually instead of just walking out of a film festival why don't you actually actively campaign in your home countries for better protection against guns but anyway that aside um let's report about other things that come out the Cannes film festival is that they're actually banning submissions from streaming services now which I'm, i think is a cry and shame to be honest what's your take on that I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot aren't they i mean they're it feels like like the mini disc or you know they're just not keeping up with technology and and people's viewing habits it's unstoppable that this is how people want to watch films these days um and and we want stuff early and now so i i think they're shooting themselves in the foot with that and it's a bit of a shame yeah no i agree with you you kind of need the streaming i think you're going to need both sides for it for the for a kind of healthy industry and i don't think there should be they should be butting heads i feel like it should be working together you know yeah i mean they're trying to make a big impact because Cannes film festival is actually for a very long time was harvey winstein's festival right he was the king of hollywood he was the guy who would go over to to france and showcase these new films and he would be almost the kingmaker. he would be like right that film Right, we're going to distribute. That film's going to do really well. So they wanted to, A, step up their game in terms of awareness. Um, they set up a, a 24-7 support line for anyone who was a victim of, of sexual uh, abuse or or foul in the workplace, however you want to describe that, for lack of a better term. And um, also they wanted to put a statement about this is about the films, it's about the cinema and the, the spectacle of that. So as another thing to kind of be like, this is a new era of we're looking after our safeguarding our rights safeguarding our our medium safeguarding our arts we are banning and i i think i agree with you john i think it's kind of a bad way to go and if anything they should actually be embracing if you feel that streaming is competing too much directly with cinema then have a streaming category like separate it from that segregate it off that way to be like you know what just like animation is its own art form what why not streaming distribution as another art form so have that as a separate thing so you don't get your your small independent movies being crushed but at the same time you might open up an avenue where someone you know goes to that festival with a, a low budget film in the can without a distributor and netflix picks it up hey wouldn't that be great so um it does i think they're they're shooting themselves in the foot i agree with you i'm glad we're agreed Good. I'll tell you something else we're going to agree on, John. Our boy, 
Jamino uh, Del Toro, Gamino Del Toro. We can't pronounce his name ever right, but the man himself, he's teaming up with Netflix to produce an eight-part horror anthology TV show in the vein of Black Mirror. How cool is that? That is amazing. That's with Netflix, is it? Yes. Yeah, they're starting production this year. Um, do you remember what I mentioned about he set up his own production company um, back in Mexico? Um this is going to be like their first thing they're producing with Netflix funding it and yeah it'll be available next year at some point see you know that's an example of an amazing director in the industry for a long time who's uh, like many film big film directors has decided to veer off and do a kind of anthology style series for a streaming service Um, so if you think if if all the directors in the industry are doing it why isn't Cannes kind of thinking the same way it seems a bit snooty anyway let's leave that there (laughs) it feels like the whole anthology tv show thing obviously that black mirrors made i don't want to say they've invented it because tv shows like the twilight zone and all that sort of stuff but obviously charlie brooker's team of writers and very i think they've given it a new life haven't they though you'd have to say yeah completely agree and um you can't help but feel that he's actually impacted pop culture because a, um, if you actually sit back and re-watch Black Mirror, um, there's a lot of things, obviously, about technology and stuff, but there was a lot of up-and-coming actors, um, especially in the first season, that are now Hollywood celebrities. So if you think of people like um, like uh, Dan Chopra, who's in Get Out, he was in an episode of Black Mirror, and there's, just, there's so many stellar actors who go on to have amazing careers. And that isn't done by accident. That's done by identifying great talent and collaboration with great producers. And although I feel Black Mirror's kind of become a bit more internationalised, I don't want to say Americanised, more internationalised, um, with the Netflix acquisition of them, um, obviously the stories have been a bit more global, a bit more uh, less UK-focused, which still gives us a great spectacle but i'll be really Mm. interested to see what um del toro's twist is going to be on this method of storytelling Mm. i was intrigued to learn it does feel like a more global sort of franchise and series black mirror now but um charlie brooker actually said that they don't ever film in the u.s it's usually somewhere else and usually they'll get you know americans over and film it in england or uh, ireland or uh, in these cool locations, but so it's, hmm. it feels more American than it actually is, I think. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, um, they closed off a street in London because they were filming the, the season five of Black Mirror, and it's going to be an entire episode uh, based in the 80s. And they turned this one street in London to look like a, an 80s London street, and everyone went mental because they built a wimpy. Um, from scratch and a lot of people were tweeting about this going Wimpy's back man I can't fucking wait Wimpy's back I was like no I'm sorry it's actually Charlie Brooker just doing a Black Mirror mm. skit <laughs> if you live in a shitty uh, shitty town in England you might still have a Wimpy hashtag uh, my shitty hometown <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the classic wimpy. Oh, they're still actually, living in the eighties. They're still um, they're still going strong in America apparently. Like there's there's, there's odd ones out there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, if there if there is a wimpy in your area, please take a picture and tag us in it on Twitter because we'd love to know where these these wimpies are still still popping up and about. So anyway, in terms of just closing off the news, so the new Mission Impossible trailer um, dropped, uh, I think, two days ago. Um, it's called Mission Colon Impossible Colon Fallout. It's uh, got obviously Tom Cruise reprising his role. Um, this was on hiatus for a little bit because he got injured whilst filming, and um, it was the start of Mustache Gate because. Henry Cavill had to grow his moustache for it. And we saw the, the first trailer bringing them all together. Now, if you love your Mission Impossibles, this is your catnip. This is exactly what you want. It's big explosions, amazing stunts with witty banter. I love seeing Simon Pegg in this. I love seeing the fact that he he's actually in... This will be his fourth time in a Mission Impossible film. How crazy is that? But, uh, but yeah. Uh, are you a fan of Mission Impossible films? Um, do you know what? I... I've never been that into them. Full action thrillers have not usually mine my thing, with definitely some exceptions. But um, if it was actually called Mission Colon Impossible and it was about someone with a terrible state <laughs> of constipation, I might be into that because I've got a very juvenile sense of humour. But um, now I will. I mean, if if one comes along, I might have a look especially with Simon Pegg because I'm a big fan of Simon Pegg so I always like to see what kind of things he's knocking about on but uh yeah we'll see I mean how, how many is there as well now there's this is the sixth one right yes yeah this will be the sixth one so it's one of those things it's like it's like Bond you know he's never gonna die nothing really bad's gonna happen and it, it's too predictable for my liking I'm not very good at leaving my brain at door movies, as you know, but um, I'm going to try better. These films are the definition of that, but um, but I there's some there's a, there's a charm about them. Um, I love the fact that Tom Cruise, re- I mean, even at a guy at his age, he puts everyone to shame, and he's able to still do his own stunts and still do a big spectacle. And every every time round, he seems to outdo himself in terms of the effects and the the lengths they go to to entertain us, which is absolutely fantastic i do agree with you it's kind of got like a james bond thing about it of it will always continue on and the only difference is that i don't think tom cruise would ever let go of this role like i don't think i could ever see someone else portraying ethan hunt in this so it's going to be interesting to see how they deal going forward this doesn't feel like a a conclusion at all it just feels like a continuation of the the mission impossible franchise henry cavill looks absolutely fantastic in this and I saw an interesting quote saying he's in even bigger shape than he was for playing Superman. And at some point, it looks like he actually reloads his arm the way he punches people. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously, they're, they're getting in more actors to try and do the heavy lifting in terms of the, the acting side of things with the, the the fight choreography and stuff. But um, now I'm looking forward to this. It's, I think it will be a, a big film of the year. Tom Cruise is a, a major star. He always beats in the, the big box office. But speaking of box office, just to, to finish off the news, um, Deadpool 2 had its highest grossing opening Thursday night in history. Now, I don't know why this really matters so much, but in one night it drew in $125 million globally, which is an incredible achievement. Yeah, I feel like it's opening up. It does. There is something very uh, genuine and original about Deadpool even though everything about it is not original but somehow you put all these ingredients together and they've created something that feels very original uh, that's reached a whole um, a huge audience and that's really caught people's imagination and I think it's 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I know you've seen it. I have not seen it yet, but I am very much looking forward to your review, Flinny. Cool. Well, stay tuned, and that's it for the news this week. Fucking car! Actually, that may have been me. Oh, you're living the dreams, DP. Yeah. Devil may care attitude. <laughs> Strong guys. Beautiful girlfriend. Sorry I'm late. I was rounding up all the gluten in the world and launching into space where it can't not hurt us ever again. So, the Merc with the Mouth is back on our screens uh deadpool an absolute gem come out of nowhere obviously uh if you are into your comic book movies you'll kind of know that this film started life as a a test test screening leaked footage that happened in around 2012 2013 it took many years and many many people to get this over the line obviously ryan reynolds being the champion of that but that hard work paid off and um, it was one of the highest grossing films the year it was released i think 2015 and uh, they even pay homage to that in the sequel deadpool 2 kind of at the beginning but here we are big budget big production team david lynch directing you may know him from john wick and atomic blonde with De- with deadpool ryan reynolds himself being a producer and helping write the story it's introducing josh brolin as a beloved x-man character called cable and it really is a continuation of the film that they set up um hoping to build kind of a franchise from this they allure to this uh, as john mentioned it is so fourth wall breaking it is so meta orientated and it it hits you with a what the F moment right at the start of the film, which you did not see coming. And um, I reviewed this a couple of days ago. I am still laughing at some of the jokes I saw in this. But the film starts off with, as you expect, kind of how the first film ended. It's Wade with with Vanessa living together in their, their, their blissful... Uh, I don't know the right word for this, but their blissful relationship where... Wade goes off and kills bad people for money and there's a hilarious montage at the start of Dolly Poulton's 9 to 5 while he's just going to work. And The film goes into a real weird direction which I did not expect to and fair play for them for hiding spoilers for this because there's so much stuff in this film which although we've been covering loads over the last well last seven or eight months actually since we started getting those leaked pictures and and uh, discussion points and little tidbits and there obviously the marketing campaign they've done it again i don't know john did you see the the deadpool manchester united video i didn't i've seen oh the david beckham one no. No, I've, yeah, no, no, so there's, there's two. So it's the David Beckham one where he apologises for that line he makes in the first Deadpool. Yeah. But there's, there's a second one which um, he goes to Old Trafford and he basically kits out the Man United team in as much Deadpool merchandise as possible. And he <laughs> the, like the, the gimmick of the film, uh, the, the trailer, is essentially to be like, look, we've just got to get the name out there because Infinity War is literally taking all the money. And it's just there's one line where he just goes, you've got to get the promotion, otherwise you get buried by Infinity War. And it's just <laughs> stuff like seeing, obviously Manchester United players aren't the most uh, photogenic or cinema. Uh, let's just say the camera doesn't love them too much. And But seeing the confusion on their face wearing all the Deadpool gear is actually quite funny. I recommend watching it. I was just going to mention the promo for Deadpool 2 has been like flawless hasn't it i mean that's it's basically put the groundwork as you know to show other films this is how you do it because they've just reached far and wide and 
uh, it's almost been like a, an event, each little snippet. Uh, it's really caught people's imagination. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think the first film's promotion had to be plucky. It had to be a look, we've got a small budget, so we have to be really, really creative. And they've kind of taken that approach again, but obviously of a much bigger budget. So like, right, we've got we've got a bit more money now. What would we do? Wouldn't it be funny if we done like our own interpretation of the the painting guy from uh, from TV? Yeah, that's kind of funny. Wouldn't it be funny if we literally took Ryan Reynolds and paraded him around the world, and in each country he would go as Deadpool and do promotion for the film Deadpool Two, and he would go speak to sports franchises because apparently in each country he was going to various different national stadiums and doing trailers that were dropped in those countries so i mean it's incredible like you say those people whatever they're paying them it's not enough they are leading the way in terms of film promotion but the film itself is actually amazing and it was a big big tall order to try and let's not try and top the first film let's just try and compete we already know about the character now we know the style of the film we know the shock value that comes with it Now, the original director actually walked away from Deadpool 2 because Ryan Reynolds had a difference of opinion. The opinion was, we should double down on the story and the humour, not necessarily need to double down on the spectacle. So, you know, sequels tend to go bigger, badder, better and everything else. This film manages to go bigger and better, but within a small self-contained story, which is kind of what the first film was. And they pulled it off. The story is basically... Uh, Cable, played by Josh Brolin, travels back in time to murder a small, innocent child who is also a mutant who will grow up to become a bad guy, effectively. And a event happens which ties Wade and this child together where Wade feels compelled to protect this child. I'm not going to go into any more detail on that because it, and you get that from the traders and stuff, so I'm not spoiling anything, but there are some really interesting things which they keep out, they leave it. There's some X-Men that are in this film which you did not think were going to be in here because they even jokingly say the studio can't afford it. There's bits where they have characters from the X-Men canon universe which you never thought you would see on a big screen in this way and they've kept it all secret they've kept it all quiet um, there's an interesting title entrance you remember in the first film where you had the the angel song why they had the nice computer graphic animation stuff they've managed to top that again with a original song created by Celine Dion which is absolutely hilarious and um, yeah stick around for the post credit stinger because there is a post credit stinger and it is absolutely hilarious it is the funniest uh, post credits thing I've ever seen I generally laughed out loud about 12 times at there is loads of stuff in the trailers I'm not going to lie like they do put some elements of what you see in the film in the trailers but as with the first film they do so many takes they never put a take that ends up in the film in the trailer so all the jokes that you've laughed at in the trailers they're not actually in the film but that's because there was something even better in that scene. There was actually a variant of that recording which was actually even funnier for most of the time anyway. And that is what makes it refreshing and surprising. So that that's, that is quite cool. Uh, yeah, now one of the questions I was actually going to ask you, Flinty, because obviously there's been so many trailers for this movie, I feel like I've seen a lot of it and it's one of them things that you worry, are there any better gags? But I'm, that's really relieving to hear that they're going to they put in different takes and stuff like that. I think that's a really clever approach. My highlight from the trailers is uh, you're smarter than I look, <laughs> which is uh, so witty. Um, 
with Wade saying that to his uh, girlfriend. What's her name again? Vanessa. Vanessa, of course. Uh, generic girlfriend name. <laughs> but um, yeah, and like I say, it's not like everything is 100% different. It's just done in a slightly different way or it may have been said in a different tone or different timing. One of the things that Ryan Reynolds, I think, puts him up there with your Jim Carrey's, with your, with your comedians of their generation is because, A, he's a bit inspired by the previous generation, just like how Jim Carrey was inspired by Andy Kaufman, but they put their own twist on it. Now, Ryan Reynolds' delivery in this film is absolutely impeccable. There is a scene, I shit you not, that lasts for about five minutes, and there's so much awkward silence in there, but you laugh so much that, you know what, you're dragging this out, but I don't even care because it is just so funny. And it's the core elements of what made the first Deadpool very, very funny. They've managed to translate that into a bigger and better sequel. As mentioned before, the storyline is still kept within scope, uh, where it's still self-contained. It's still within it's within the confines of a of a city. It's within time length of like a like a few weeks. And um, it's yeah, you know, it's not going to be a big epic Lord of the Rings story. However. They are trying to set up a franchise, the X-Force franchise, which you know, they make no bones about this in the trailer. They they have so many pot shots at Marvel and DC and they just do it in such a hilarious way. Um, but that being said, I feel like this film is actually... This isn't meant to be... like Deadpool on its own is not meant to be a trilogy. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like this is a Deadpool 1 and, Ted, and Deadpool 2. Oh, that's it. That's the story. And um, there will be spin-offs and variations from this, but it doesn't feel like this isn't just a cash grab. This isn't just a, oh, this is the second chapter in a trilogy. This is a, they gave it their all and they really did leave everything on the screen in terms of the humour, the effort put into this, the effects. I mean, yeah, okay, it's fair to say Ryan Reynolds isn't necessarily as young as uh, some of the other franchise leads out there at the moment. So maybe they are thinking about an exit strategy. I don't know, but... There's a real interesting vibe here that this is a self-contained... With the first film, this is like a, a book-ended story. And I find that quite refreshing. Um, even though they kind of joke about the whole, yeah, we're setting up a franchise, X-Force, and yeah, think about the sequels and all that sort of stuff, when actually they've nailed it. I mean, this is one of them franchises that Lee lends... Um, Ryan Reynolds deserves so much of the credit for because he basically, without him there would be nothing right yeah um i mean i remember seeing ryan reynolds in the first film i ever saw him was van wilder's party liaison okay not the best ever teen movie but actually probably better than most at that time and but i remember just the first time you see him on screen you're like this dude has a has a charm he's going places um so it's not at all surprising and i think I mean, there's still more to give as well. He is, I think he's one of the best comedic actors around at the moment in a, with a lot of the old guards sort of maybe falling off the map a little bit, i.e. Jim Carrey. Um, I think he's really paving the way and representing, so fair play, Ryan Reynolds. 
Yeah, completely. Cast is absolutely stellar in this. Um, everyone is fantastic. Josh Brolin, they even joke about the fact that his character in the comic books is supposed to be nine foot tall, yet Josh Brolin's five foot eight. He's nearly in his 50s and he somehow managed to get hench for this film. He looks fantastic. They do the jokes between the fact that he plays obviously Thanos in Infinity War as well. Um, there are just so many things where they go back and forth and do those little jabs. Personal favourite is where they take a big, big old stab at Batman versus Superman where Wade comes home late and says so sorry I was having a fight with another big badass but turns out both our mums are called Martha so we're friends now which was an absolute just gut punch to that film but it was to hold and delivered in such a fantastic way um, yeah this is this is Deadpool at its best it isn't going to get better than this and I don't want it to get better than this I don't know what getting better than this this looks like um, interestingly enough TJ Miller's quite is uh, in this film quite a lot when considering it was reported that he was pretty much not booted off but but heavily uh, his level of involvement was reduced as a result of accusations with the Me Too campaign obviously shows that uh, this film has been in production for quite a long time and maybe the directors felt that his contribution and to be fair it was pretty it is pretty funny um, that they wanted to keep that sort of stuff separate so you weren't uh, at all jarred by the whole f- breaking fourth wall dc references all of that doesn't bother you nice it's all part of it right and i think what what i think ryan reynolds uh, and the production team in this film have done is that they've equally attacked everyone so no one's no one's i mean they they really go there in terms of race there's a there's a few jokes where a lesser a lesser built story a lesser delivered line a lesser a creative team behind I think people might have actually been offended and people might be even boycotting this film as a result of but <laughs> they've handled it in such a an elegant comedic way where Ryan Reynolds can say that line and it isn't offensive it's just hilarious to the story I'm sure there'll still be some people offended but uh, I know what you mean I mean he has that cheeky way where maybe he can get away with slightly more than most but he does it in a way which isn't isn't it's, it's just to tell the story and just to be funny, right? There's no there's no hate in there. It's not yeah, malicious. of course. But um, it feels it's got a very Family Guy feel. To, I think uh, the whole. I'll be interested to see if there's any sort of crossover mm. well, between. It's funny uh, you say that because Ryan Reynolds actually has done a couple of cameos in Family Guy. But actually, if I had to compare it to any humour that I know of already, I'd probably say feels like they've been heavily influenced by Archer the, the the animated show I think you can get on Netflix produced by Fox if you haven't seen it it's absolutely hilarious I highly recommend it it's one of my favourite TV shows ever but um, yeah it's definitely some inspiration I think there yeah that fast wit um, one thing I realised from listen, Ryan Reynolds sounds like Trey Parker I've never made that connection but he sounds like a South Park character he actually does <laughs> I think I closed my eyes in the trailer he yeah. actually does so that just occurred to especially me. considering he's Canadian as well but um, I, yeah I, I I loved it it was absolutely fantastic it's hilarious moments the spectacles there um, shout out to Dizzy Beats who plays a character called Domino she's hilarious in this she's definitely a rising star um, like I said before Josh Brolin gives a knockout performance as well TJ Miller is just as funny. Blind Owl is back in it. She's only in it for a few scenes, but the scene she's in, she's absolutely golden. And obviously the taxi driver does steal the show every time he's in a scene as well. So um, I'm going four out of five. It's 
It is brilliant. It is going to be one of the summer blockbuster films. Don't know if it's going to be the summer blockbuster film. I think that title's already been taken, uh, but maybe Jurassic World will have something to say about that. But there you go. Deadpool 2, 4 out of 5. Go see it. And better than the first? I would say it's on a par with the first. So it's better than the first in different ways, but the first was so original that it its shortcomings were completely forgiven, where Deadpool 2 makes up for those shortcomings and then some, but the original yeah. shock value of what you saw on screen, obviously we're used to that now, so they have to go in other directions to, to give you that shock again. Also, they dropped the C word a few times in this as well, so uh, be careful with, with the little ones, but yeah, enjoy. You're a lot smarter than I look. Streaming Gems. Okay, so our Streaming Gem this week, we're thrilled to have been given a chance to watch it slightly early on Netflix. It's called Cargo. A zombie movie set in rural Australia in the aftermath of a violent pandemic as infected father desperately seeks a new home for his infant child. So Martin Freeman stars the father uh, with, let me just, with Natasha Wanganine as uh, wife who... I won't give any spoilers away, but it's a zombie zombie movie, so you know you're expecting a few main characters to uh, bite the dust, <laughs> and basically looking for an, a way to save his infant child from this pandemic, um, which seems pretty bleak, pretty futile. So it starts. I mean, rural Australia is an incredible landscape, and the setting of this movie is an amazing. Uh, just visual to have throughout and it's very very rural so great place to have a kind of zombie movie i'm not the best uh biggest zombie movie fan but i do enjoy the occasional one um especially when it's 91 minutes long it definitely didn't feel too long uh, martin freeman though absolutely amazing actor i've got time for anything that he's been in maybe he wanted to take the zombie movie off the list. I don't know, because his uh, CV is getting pretty comprehensive <laughs> now. But, um, yeah, I was actually really impressed with this. You know, contrary to a lot of our reviews, streaming gems have not been uh, so gem. They've been more dud recently. So it's good to review one that I can genuinely recommend, especially if you like zombie movies. Uh, there's a lot going on in this film. I felt like it had a lot of hidden messages and I think a lot of the time it's very obvious um, but I did enjoy them I don't know if I'm just it's just because I uh, am an old hippie liberal environmental man but it felt like a massive warning <laughs> to the human race <laughs> so basically these zombie pandemic has happened and there's a few illusions it's sort of that it happened because of fracking like there's these fracking sites it never explicitly says this but it's kind of um having a go at the fracking industry i think and then these zombies uh if you get bitten you kind of incubate yourselves by putting your head in the sand for a couple of days which i thought was an amazing visual metaphor for uh <laughs> various right-wing idiots who don't seem to accept uh the climate change debate which is not really a debate anymore um so yeah some amazing kind of metaphors um but what really made it i mean they were carrying this baby around the whole movie uh martin freeman was and it it really gave it a very close to home feel because i mean this infant is so relying on her dad to uh somehow 
get her through this to to survive in this crazy zombie infested world uh there's another really interesting kind of side to this aboriginal side so there's a little girl that they meet along the way who kind of helps and knows a lot about the kind of zombies uh and it's it's really interesting take that, that kind of the aboriginals know how to deal with it slightly more maybe they're a bit closer to nature than um us silly western softies and it's a very interesting kind of take so this movie is very bleak <laughs> i have to admit for 80 minutes you're like oh dear oh no oh no that's uh so kind of droll it does get a little tiresome but i mean it is a zombie movie after all um not many comedic elements either so it does take its toll on you but it's all leading up to this finale that does kind of take your breath away it kind of went big or went home and i think it actually paid off i think martin freeman is one of the actors that could deliver a genuine moving kind of zombie role <laughs> and I've, i'm definitely not going to spoil the ending because I, I want you to see it but it's truly a very memorable ending and i think there's some amazing kind of metaphorical messaging going on in this movie so i'd advise everyone to watch it and i'd be really interested to see if anyone got any other stuff from it or if maybe i'm completely off the mark and i'm just seeing things that i wanted to see but i mean it's a beautiful movie to kind of see just to see the middle of australia all infested it's uh definitely a gem rather than a dud so i'm very glad to report nice. that one um two questions yeah, please I've got, I've got two questions. One, does, what accent does Martin Freeman have in this film? And two, do the zombies run or do they walk? So, Martin Freeman, I'm glad to report, has an English accent. Uh, so it doesn't really ever come up or matter, but he's in English and his wife is Australian, which I was really glad about. Even though Martin Freeman in Fargo does an amazing Northwest American accent, pretty flawless so i wasn't too worried about that but yeah it was nice to see him with an english accent what was your second question the zombies do they are they like 28 days later zombies where they sprint at you or are they more like traditional george a romero style slow methodical that <clears throat> it was a a bit of a mix actually so it seems yeah a good a good mix of zombie definitely nothing too out there it wasn't like the most original take on a zombie movie but I felt like, Flinty, I, I was hoping you were going to get to watch this too because I do think you'll like it. It had a lot of 28 Days Later uh, feel to it. So I, I think you're going to enjoy this one, actually. I'd be really interested to see how much you enjoy it. Um, but I, I, I do think they've done a great, uh, a really good job of this one. I think it's a kind of move, or if you, I mean, if a zombie mo movie can be moving in that way, it's more sort of emotional family orientated zombie movie in a weird way. Um, <laughs> and it left you with a real left you with a lot of questions. Like, I mean, you'll see, you'll, you'll see the final scene, but it kind of suggested like, how are we going to pass on this planet to the next uh to the next generation and how are we going to give them the best possible 
kind of start and that's why the the baby the infant being in 90% of the scenes was so powerful in a lot of ways um and it was nice to see just a it feels like there's a lot of metaphors in this i think so but you know sometimes i just see what i want to see flinty so <laughs> so please do tell me if you feel like i'm off the mark but i'd be really interested to see how you feel uh when you watch this as well and it has all the tense kind of moments that you'd expect in a zombie movie that would do I think they they kind of hit the mark. So I I think this this is one for kind of zombie movie enthusiasts and maybe environmental uh, advocates as well. Nice. So it it feels like they've uh, they've kind of gone for the zombie angle, but actually it's it's the thinking man zombie film by the sounds of it. And uh, yeah, it's now available for general release. As John mentioned, we were fortunate enough for uh, Netflix to give us some screeners for this, so very appreciative to that Netflix. Keep them coming, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. it. Got released on the 18th, so give give this sucker a score, then John out of five. Where does it sit for you? Tough one. It's actually now that I'm talking about it and and. The more I thought about it, it's actually gone up in my estimation. I mean, I would I'd like to give it four, but I maybe go three and a half. It's, I'm finding it hard. But as it's a streaming gem, I do think we've given Netflix uh, movies a bit of a bad rap. So I'm going to give a a kind four for this one, and be really interested to see how zombie movie fans take this one. Um, and just general movie fans as well. So definitely find it 90 minutes long as well, not too long. Whack it on before bed. See if you uh, see how you see how you go with it. There you go. So it's a return to form for Netflix. There you go. Cargo four out of five. Enjoy. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the subscribe, like, share. You know what? Just get involved. Click on the buttons, which mean you get more content from Talk Filmy to me. I'd like to take a moment to thank my guy, John. How can people find you? You can find me at Descamento on Twitter. Coming up next week, we'll be back with a review of Solo, a Star Wars story, as well as some Connect the Dots, and we'll have a streaming gem of some exclusive Netflix content. Till next time. Bye-bye. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.